essentially what happens in the coaching session is you think about what you need to do and the actions you need to take. And it's between those coaching sessions that you then take actions. Like at the end of a conversation, I will reflect with my coaching client to say, okay, based on our conversation, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? And they'll come up with one or five things. And we'll talk about the time frame, and then they're off and doing it. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company, and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My guest on this episode is Carrie Holtz. Carrie's a senior HR leader with a clear advantage when it comes to employee well-being. Not only does she work in HR, but she works as a consultant and as a coach. That gives Carrie an edge in being employee-driven and making the work environment better for everyone. Let's dive right in. Carrie Holtz, welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, spending your Thursday afternoon here with me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Adam. I've been looking forward to this and it's pretty interesting, Carrie. The last phone call I had prior to us jumping on the call, it wasn't actually a phone call. I'd left a message. And the person that I'd left a message for, ironically enough, was the person that introduced you and I almost 10 years ago to the day. And that was Jen Roman. I don't know if you remember that. But yeah, Jen Roman, who I believe you guys might have worked together, but I don't recall. Wow. I have to look her up because I don't remember that. But I'm impressed that you remember that. And I have to say, it's really nice that we've had this relationship for 10 years and and in different capacities. So <laughs> yeah, what a beautiful thing. It, it really is. And it was, again, I don't know if it was just serendipitous that I happened to call. And anyways, I just thought that was really interesting. And here we are 10 years later. And like you said, the relationship has had just so many different iterations. And uh, I'm glad that we've maintained the relationship. And I really appreciate you being here today sharing your story and also sharing a lot of interesting insights that you've ascertained along your career and just being willing to share that with us today. So before we get started, do you mind just giving a quick synopsis on your background and who you are and what brings you here today? Sure. Let's start way back. I mean, and I'll make this quick, but grew up in the Midwest, went to school on the East Coast stayed in the East Coast. I'm a combination of a business professional, an HR professional, and an executive coach. And I view my life, just like many of our lives, as just a journey. 
and continuing to kind of grow along the way and experience new things and learn from one another. Wow, that was a beautiful summation. Good job too, by the way. And because there's so many things that you've done. I, now, I can't remember, do you have a CPA? I know you have an MBA, but do you have a CPA? I can't remember. Yeah, I have an undergraduate degree in accounting, but did not get my CPA. I pursued consulting and was a consultant for about nine years. So never did audit in that traditional path. Gotcha. But, but and then you went and got a master's in accounting, you got an MBA, you've got coaching certifications, you're involved in SHRM and the, the ACC. I mean, you are just a learned person, no? Yeah. I like to go deep and really understand business and coaching and just that pursuit of being the best I can be. Love yeah. And there's always a lot of room for growing. <laughs> well, you know what they say the biggest room in the world is, right? I don't. The room for improvement. Uh-huh. <laughs> just is. <laughs> uh, great. I love that. I do. So I'd love to let everybody get a better understanding of kind of you as the person. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to throw a couple rapid fire questions at you. We'll go through those and then transition into more of the traditional work that you're doing, how you've done it, and any of the golden nuggets that you would be sharing with us. Sound like a plan? Perfect. All right. Tell me a piece of technology that you couldn't live without. My iPhone. Any feature of the iPhone? You know, I, it still amazes me that all that we can do with our iPhone between... My life is on my iPhone, right? I can make calls. I, my calendar is there. I can email people. I have photos there. I keep a you know, journal and, and some and goals there. I can quickly do a search and find anything I want to find out on my iPhone. It's just incredible. And so to me, it's worth the thousand dollars. Yeah, completely agree with you. So if we were in your car right now, what would be on the radio? So it's a couple of different things. It could be my favorite female vocalist if I was intentional about what was going to be playing in my car, which is Grace Potter. Mm. If I was listening to, if the radio was on, it likely would either be uh, Coffee Talk, which is a kind of an acoustics <laughs> yeah. station and serious, uh-huh. or it could be a variety of jazz stations. I don't know if you can hear jazz in the background right now. It's playing in my home. My husband is a jazz aficionado, so we spend a lot of time listening to jazz and pre-COVID, seeing a lot of live jazz performances. Ooh, where's your favorite place to go to see live jazz? There's a few places in the city I really like. Depends on who it is. I mean, we saw Pat Metheny last year mm-hmm. in a really intimate, I think it was called Town Hall, but it, no, that was a bigger venue. Mm-hmm. It's a really intimate venue, and I can't recall the name of the place right now. That was probably one of my favorite experiences, just seeing sitting right up close personal with them, like 10 tables. That's one of the things that I miss the most is actually live music. So when all these places, when the world kind of gets back to normal, I cannot wait for these types of venues to start opening up and being able to see some live music. So I'm with you. And, and on the jazz, I actually had a, a jazz station on prior to us kicking this off. So uh, two minds were, were on the same wavelength there. What are you doing to stay in shape physically and mentally? try to do two things. One is just take time outdoors and walk. Nearly every weekend, I'll spend a couple of hours walking and catching up with a girlfriend. And I try when I can, and I'm not completely overwhelmed with work, to take a break and just even get in a 30-minute walk each day. 
mentally, one of the things I've started to do, which has helped in COVID is meditate. And it hasn't yet become a habit. I need to do more of it for it to become a habit. But I find that I feel really good about it after just spending some time. And here's a pitch for an app, but the Calm app has been like my new best friend when it comes to meditating. Yeah, I had uh, someone on the show that runs Total Rewards for an organization and their wellness division is getting the whole company, uh, the Calm app. They're getting everybody to, to log in for, I forgot what, I think it's a 20 minute session or something that they do every day. And I kinda, love that. And to use the organization's time, being on the clock and utilizing that. So yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. a, a good push and, and not a bad thing to become a habit. Hey, so w- tell me something that most people don't know about you. I'll give you a serious one and a fun fact. Okay. I'll like start that. with the serious one. I am really resilient. I've had a number of life experiences that in some ways have been growth and in other ways have been really difficult, but it's helped me become a very resilient and agile individual more so than I think the average person. And then a fun fact, I would say is one of my favorite trips, definitely in the top 10, is I traveled cross country with a girlfriend when I was in my 20s, early 20s. She decided to move out to Los Angeles and I took two weeks off work and we road tripped and we and had no plans, no set agenda, visited people along the way and it was amazing, amazing oh, experience. Sounds like a great trip. But let's talk about you. I want to dig in. You've done some really cool things. Can you get us up to speed with what's hot in what you're working on now? And then I want to really dig in on some of the coaching stuff that you're doing. Yeah, well, my day job and where I spend most of my time is running HR. We call it a people business partner for global consulting firm. And my specific role is looking after all of the internal functions that run the firm. We call that business corporate services, both in my area and across our full firm. Right now, a lot is going on just focused on COVID, right? And our employees' health. So we're keeping the trains on in terms of the day-to-day operations and continuing to focus on how we run things efficiently and keeping people first. But we're also highly concerned about people and their safety and their mental health, Mm. particularly working remotely. The amazing thing in this is that we've realized this works really successfully, you know, particularly as a consulting firm where folks typically would be on the road Monday through Friday. And to that point, I guess one of the hot topics and areas where I spend several hours a week on is what the new normal will look like. I'm part of a steering committee where we're looking at that for our consulting business, both for our people, as well as our operations. Interesting. Yeah, new normal is definitely a term for 2020. Yeah, and we think about it in terms of the, the way we will be working in the future. Yeah. And, and how has your experience with coaching rolled in? How has that played a part in what you're doing now? Well, so coaching to me is a skill set of helping empower people and helping people figure things out for themselves and what's best for them. And so I just leverage that in everything I do and in conversations with colleagues, with my direct reports, even with my family, instead of telling people what to do, it's asking, helping them figure that out through asking kind of thoughtful questions. And what's the difference between, I guess, an executive coach 
and a life coach. Yeah, yeah. So coaching in general will consider the whole person. So it's very much a holistic view of what's going on for that individual in their life. I would describe the distinction in that someone who's an executive coach, business coach, it's about goals for that person's kind of professional life and their career. Whereas a life coach is typically about goals in their personal life. So to give you some examples, a life coach might be working with someone to help them be more organized or lose weight or stop smoking or a number of those things. Whereas an executive or business coach may help someone focus on transition in their professional career or achieve a goal such as promotion or even specifically a goal around how they can be a better manager or how they can strengthen their team or how they personally could be more emotionally and leverage skills and being more emotionally intelligent and more effective professional based on what characteristics they're looking to professionally achieve. So this topic is really hot these days. I mean, I shouldn't say topic and I shouldn't even call it hot. It's just, let's call it in demand. Why do you think this coaching, I guess, skill or just having someone that is in your corner is so hot these days, I guess? Mm-hmm. I've heard many people refer to it as their secret weapon. Like hmm. there are some people that want to keep it very private because like an athlete, right, who has focused on a goal and they're looking to up their game and the coach, if they give them focused attention, will help them do that. Yeah, that's what a coach will do for you. If you have that commitment and you're coachable, right, you really want this for yourself. So I also very much view this as a gift for oneself. Again, if they're committed to it and wanting to do it, you do need to give yourself the time and the space to really reflect and be aware of what behaviors you may want to change or what initiatives you're going to put into place to achieve what you want. So the coach will help you think about this, give you that space, ask you some challenging questions, and they'll also hold you accountable. Huge right there. That's the key. Is that accurate or or would you not agree with that? I think that's part of what a coach is expected to do. Now, at the end of the day, you as the person own it great and you need to, but for me, I mean, if someone says they want to do this and I'm finding after a couple conversations, they're not actioning on it, we're wasting our time. There's no point for us to, let's pick up coaching when you're ready. That's an important piece. You need to be ready. You have to really want this. You have to dedicate the time. Most of the work that happens is not during that one-on-one coaching conversation. It's afterwards in between the coaching conversations. So give me an example of things that you might give somebody to do that they might be struggling with or having a hard time. Sure. I'll give you an example of the scenario is that someone is looking to transition from being an internal, change jobs internally. There might currently be a consultant and they want to move into more of a finance role internally. And so we will spend time during our coaching session to explore what that means and what the ideal role would look like and what gaps they may have and what challenges they might face in this transition to help them fully prepare and understand those gaps and educate themselves. In between the coaching sessions, they're going to need to 
perhaps read and get smart on things, set up meetings to start to explore, depending on what we talk about in our coaching session, but set up meetings to start to explore this transition to further understand what that ideal role may look like. Essentially, what happens in the coaching session is you think about what you need to do and the actions you need to take. And it's between those coaching sessions that you then take actions. Like at the end of a conversation, I will reflect with my coaching client to say, okay, based on our conversation, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? And they'll come up with one or five things. And we'll talk about the time frame, And then they're off and doing it. So you're more of a guide instead of saying, hey, this is what you need to do. You're trying to get the most out of them, pulling it out of them and then guiding them to do it as opposed to saying, hey, this is what you need to do in order to get to where it is that you're looking to go. They're their own guide through kind of questions I ask and helping to hold them accountable based on the goals that they want to achieve. So it'll always come back to the goal that they want, their overarching goal of the coaching relationship, Mm -hmm. and actually the goal that they want to get out of that conversation that we're having that day. Hmm. Do you ever have conversations with people where you've got to be, when you're kind of laying out the rules of engagement and saying, hey, how do you want to be managed? Hey, am I going to drop the hammer on you? Or do you have to kind of lay that out ahead of time or no? Actually, yes. I mean, up front, We'll talk about what rapport we want and how hard they want to be pushed and what's important to them in terms of that relationship. And the chemistry is a really important component between a coach and a coachee. So it's got to work. There's not a one size fits all here. Gotcha. So in, in your experience, you've obviously been working with some high functioning executives throughout your entire career. Fair statement? Yeah, pretty yeah. fair. Okay. So... So you probably have a pretty darn good perspective. Again, all these years with just people that have gone to the best schools that have worked in some of the most challenging accounts that are executives. These days, they're probably spread out all over the world. With that perspective, what would you say are kind of like the top, I don't know, two to three things that executives, as in terms of maybe like a common thread amongst these executives, and then also a common thread of things that they need to improve on? I mean, I would say from my vantage point, right, which is really that HR lens, what top executives do in organizations I've worked with is, first and foremost, they achieve results. And they do that by being culture carriers, right? So they're abiding by the core values of the organization, empowering and motivating people and being highly respectful of the culture and the organization. And they're excellent at kind of having a following, right? They just really do a fantastic job at inspiring and motivating others to achieve those results. And then on the flip side, what are things that they could be doing better? My firm, I think, happens to do a really good job at this. But I think that oftentimes, you know, executives are working in a silo and they're just focused on what do I need to do as chief financial officer or what do I need to do as chief technology officer? So where I think they could be even more effective is if as an executive team, they're kind of working and rowing in that same boat, right? Mm -hmm. They're really connected. They're sharing ideas, their ability to like be more in sync so that there's efficiencies and more awareness across 
both the executive and their lieutenants, right? Their direct reports. So is it kind of getting out of the echo chamber? Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Why is it so important to have a coach? You know, I think to help keep you focused on your goals and to give you that space, that dedicated time and space Mm -hmm. to really focus on it and what you're going to do differently, what you're going to continue to do, but how you might do it better to gain the results you want to. Yeah, I agree with that. It's really interesting, and, and you talked about it earlier, about the difference between a life coach and a business coach. I've got friends that actually, they've got all different kinds of coaches. I mean, even relationship coaches, like marital. they got relationship coaches, they've got physical trainers, they've got life coaches, they've got, and they swear by them. And these are mm-hmm. high-performing people, and they attribute their success. A lot of it is they give, it's all about the person behind the curtain. And uh, the person behind the curtains, the coach. Right. That's right. Yeah. I know several CEOs that have several coaches helping with communication coaches. And they're excellent communicators, but it's still helping them be just a little bit better, raising their awareness of what they could do to have even a greater impact. So good for the folks that you know. I'm sure they're on that journey of continuous growth and how I can be the best I can be. Yeah, well, I've, so I've had numerous conversations with a bunch of people and I kind of play devil's advocate. And when they tell me some of the prices that they pay to have these coaches and the one person said it best. And he said, Adam, he goes, your perspective is just completely wrong. I've heard you say cost and expensive multiple times, Adam. These are investments. These are investments. And this is value. And the return on the investment comes in spades. And after having that kind of conversation, it really made me kind of look at things very differently. And and I agree. Again, you look at this, the return on the investment, the return on being able to work smarter, clearer, which frees up more time so that they can then work with the, (laughs) the strength trainer or whoever it is to get better there. And then when they're better, they're coming in and they're physically fit. So they're as a result of their physical fitness, they're mentally in a better position. So they've got less stress that comes to their then relationships. Then when they're working on their relationship, they're in a clearer head. So there's this big snowball or domino effect that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. A coach will help you unlock your potential. Yeah. Are you familiar with Bill Campbell? I think he wrote a book like the seven cornerstones of excellence. Um, I am now. Yeah. (laughs) He's a famed coach. He's Steve Jobs, Eric Schmidt. I forgot who else. I mean, the tech, he's really known in the tech space out in California. He's a phenomenal, I I, I think he's still alive. But if if you are not someone that you'd be really, I think would be of, of keen interest to kind of hear his perspective, what he does, the people that he's worked with and how he's trained them. And these are all people that swear by him and what he's done for them personally, as well as the organizations that they represent. I I think you'd really enjoy that. Yeah, I read a little bit about him and some of the things I saw. It's quite amazing. I mean, and I really appreciate his perspectives because what I recall was, look, these people did the work, not me. I just helped them figure it out, asked them the questions to figure it out. And I loved to read that, like, He would meet people in like the corner of a little local pub, right? And that was the space where they would just have these intimate conversations. And he was able to really develop 
deep, honest, authentic relationships with these people to help support their growth and development. And yeah, he's, he was kind of a secret weapon for, or still is perhaps for, for many of these folks. So yeah, he's nice to see really. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that I got from it was that he's about that. Again, it all starts with a relationship and being able to build rapport and getting people to, I forgot what he did with, I think it was with Eric Schmidt at Google. He, where he had him start all of his meetings, just asking people what they did for the weekend or something just like real, again, something simple that might just sound like common sense, but it really, they didn't just get right into business. They got to get under and really understand their people a lot better. And how by building that rapport, built that psychological safety for, you know, that senior management to feel comfortable that was able to kind of help it trickle down within the organization. So outside of your family, who's had the biggest impact in your career? I think it comes back to leaders that I've worked for, right, who have invested and believed in me and provided me opportunities. Mm. Any ones in particular? There's a few. I kind of refer to them as my rabbis. <laughs> <laughs> the first manager I worked for was really helpful. Probably my, the greatest rabbi I ever had was back to that first job I had. I was a consultant and he really took me under his wing and he, you know, I worked really hard for him, but he put me on all the interesting projects, brought me to critical meetings. I was going to leave the firm to get my MBA and basically said, wait, we'll pay for it. Sponsored me for the executive MBA program at Columbia rather than going there on my own. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he, he probably had a huge, you know, the greatest impact on my life because from, you know, the first he left the first firm I started with and brought me to the had me join him at the next firm he went to and was the global leader there. So he was the first 12 or so years of my career was just, you know, had an material impact yeah. on um, who I was. Sounds like it. Oh my God, we're running a little tight on time here. If it's possible, I want to share a quote with you and I'd love to get your perspective on what does it mean to you? Ready? Sure. The biggest investment that you can make is in yourself. The second one is in other people. Yeah, I love that. So absolutely. I mean, you need to invest in you and your future and learn and improve and grow. Knowledge for ourselves is power. Mm. And then share that knowledge. So that second part of investing in other people, sharing that knowledge, focusing on developing others will lead to success for the organization, for your teams, to strengthen talent. And that's a competitive advantage. Yeah, which, I agree. Like, uh, one plus one equals three. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have? Um, no, this was fun. I mean, I appreciate it. Maybe a favorite mantra or a motto? Yeah. Yes, yes. Please do share. I guess less is more. <sighs> and One of my favorites. And that's, you know, convert communication just in life. Less is more. Yeah. That is so true. So can I add one thing to that, by the way? Are you familiar with the company Basecamp? Basecamp, I am not. Uh, it's, it's like a project management uh, tool. It's huge for like a lot of small businesses. The, it's like a cl- like one of the first cloud-based 
project management tools out there. Very big company. They do extremely well. It's a very long story and I'm going to bastardize this, but I'll try to do the best that I can. And I think that you'll appreciate it given the last, your mantra of less is more. So what they do, communication is an extremely paramount, paramount to their organization. So their interview process, they figure by the time if you make it to being seen by them, really what they want is they need to test how good of a communicator you are. Since project, their, their firm is, they are a virtual firm. They're built for this, what's going on now. So what they have you do, they give you a report and they say, give me this report. And I, I'm just making up the number, but let's say I want a 25 page report. So you hand in that 25 page. This is part of the interview process, right? Then they say, okay, now boil this down to five pages. So now you got to come back, you bring it back to them and you got to get it to them in five pages. Then they say, you know what? Get this down to one page. So then you come back one page. Then the next one is a paragraph. And then the next one is one sentence. So they are want to test the whole idea. There's so much communication done non in person. So they need to make sure that the communication is paramount to them and they need to be able to get to the, like the less is more. Boil it down into a sentence or two, make it simple, get to the point, move the needle. Love it. That sounds like a really fun case study, fun project. Oh, like yeah. to go through that interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not a short one. And it's a pretty and it's a pretty frustrating one, but that's how they do their selection process. They're a wildly successful organization and they attribute, they say when they've figured that, when they put that into their hiring plan, it quickly raised the bar and uh, they're doing very well. So Carrie, thank you for listening to my stories. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your insights and the importance of coaching, what coaching is, why people need it. And I hope that those that are listening today are walking away with hopefully a, a more interested view and hopefully they look to reach out and ascertain a coach. Are there any coaching that you do outside of the organization? Yes. Occasionally I will pick up a couple of people on a pro bono basis and support them on their journey. So if you have any listeners that are interested, they're welcome to reach out to me and we could talk about it and see if there's that chemistry and an opportunity to you know, support them for, for wow. a period of time. That's extremely generous and kind of you. And anyone who's listening that doesn't take advantage of this, you're silly. Thank you very much for that offer. We'll be sure to make sure to get this out to people. And uh, I look forward to sharing this conversation with the world. Wonderful. Thanks. And have a great day. That's the plan. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise.